Welcome to the Socialites podcast with Kate Vandervoort, where I interview changemakers, innovators and community managers on how they grow and activate their communities online. Brought to you by Social Mediology. Welcome to the Social Lights podcast. I am here today with Tanya Cheng. Tanya is Director of Process Innovation at SheEO and is part of the team that creates and curates all aspects of community at SheEO. SheEO has more than 7,000 activators globally and combined online communities of over 50,000 women and non-binary people. Tanya leads initiatives related to community experience design, online community engagement, feedback and evaluation, team learning and development, process mapping and storytelling through design. Welcome, Tanya. It is so great to have you here today. Thanks so much, Kate. It's great to be here. I love that little list of skills that you uh, bring to this role because they're all critical in community building. So I look forward to exploring that more. Uh, But as we get started, can you tell us what is it that lights you up and gets you out of bed in the morning? Uh, coffee <laughs> is the first thing. No, I'm kidding. Um, um, you know, I honestly, I'm I'm living my dream or pretty close to it. Um, I I get to build a life that is aligned with my values of care and consciousness and community, both sort of in my personal life and in my work life. Um, and I'm you know striving to live my truth every day. Part of that is. Uh, someone who is queer and non-binary and um, I know that every time I am standing in my truth I'm making space for others to do the same and so um, yeah that get that that gets me up every day and at the end of the day I am just really grateful to live on the ocean um, I my wife and I moved from Toronto to Halifax last year um, and it was a really big move for us because it really was about what kind of life we wanted to build, what kind of community we wanted to have. Um, so, yeah, so maybe that's just that. It's gratitude. I'm, 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 I feel very lucky and, um, and, and love building community. Wow, beautiful. Life sounds good. <laughs> um, so tell us a little bit about your journey into working in and on community. I always love to hear the stories about how and why community is so important and how that kind of helped framed your your professional journey to where you are now. Yeah, I mean, I think um, maybe the first instance of really uh, interacting with community for me was realizing that I didn't belong. Um, And, uh, you know, part of that is I I have certain identities that don't fit with the conventional mainstream. And I think early on, I figured out that I don't quite fit. Um, And so I had to do a lot of reflection around who I was, where where do I find my people? Um, And I was really fortunate as a young person to have interacted with uh, organizations that were very intentional about building community. Um, When I was a teenager, I got involved with an organization called the Otesha Project, and they organized bike tours in different parts of Canada and com- combined sustainability and theater and activism all together in one experience. Um, and when I was 23, I joined a two-month bike tour uh, where basically I lived on my bike with 16 other young activists, and we were traveling to different communities and 
delivering a play that we put on together about sustainability. <laughs> so as you can imagine, <laughs> I had to learn a lot about, um, or we learned a lot about intentional community building through that experience, because as a team, we had to figure out processes to collaborate and make decisions and share day-to-day -day responsibilities, um, manage safety. And uh, that was a very transformative experience for me. Um, but, and, and then in addition to the bike tour, most of my early work experiences were working with youth, um, delivering programming. A lot of it was overnight programming, you know, that were either several weeks long or month long overnight programming. Um, and similarly in those programs, there was a lot of intentional community design uh, to, to produce a transformative experience for young people. And so I guess through those experiences and, and my own personal journey of finding the places where I belong um, and finding uh, especially queer community where I am now, um, I think that's what led me to just really value uh, community and value a sense of belonging. Um, and I find that I, now these days, I just naturally gravitate <laughs> um, to, to work and people who care about the community and who care about relationships. Yeah, I always love the, and it, it tends to be that people have had a really personal experience of not belonging or not fitting in or, and so seeking that sense of community and then wanting to create that for, for other people. It just seems to happen in so many different ways, but that's always the common, common thread, I think, for us community-oriented folk. Um, so that leads us really nicely into CEO, which I, CEO is my community and I um, love the CEO community and feel like you do uh, or you, you support and grow community there, unlike a lot of places that I've ever been in or a lot of organisations or spaces that I've been in. So for those who don't know about CEO, tell us a bit about CEO and the impact that you're making in the world. Sure. Uh, so CEO began in Canada by uh, our founder, Vicky Saunders, um, in 2015. And I really began to demonstrate a radically redesigned model to get capital, um, not just financial capital, but all forms of capital into the hands of, um, of women innovators and entrepreneurs. So that's sort of where it began at the time, um, you know, less than 3% of venture capital was uh, going to women. Um, and so Vicky came up with this really brilliant model um, and radically different model where, uh, you know, we invite uh, women and, and non-binary folks to, to join the CEO community as activators. Um, and these activators contribute their capital um, into a fund that and we call this an act of radical generosity. And this, uh, uh, this contribution is pulled together and then loaned out to ventures as a 0% interest loan that is paid back over five years and then loaned out again, um, thus creating a perpetual fund. So that's essentially the, the, the model um, of, of, how, of how it works, that how, how the community supports uh, entrepreneurs. Um, what's unique about the ventures as well is that they're all led and owned by women or non-binary folks. And they're also working on what we call the world's to-do list or the UN Sustainable Development Goals. So they're doing good in the world and, and modeling the kinds of businesses and organizations we want to see and, and we need. Um, and these ventures 
each year are selected democratically and collectively by activators in each region. So that's kind of the summary of, of, of the model. Um, and over the past uh, six years now, um, Shio has grown into to five different regions. So now in addition to Canada, um, we, we also operate in um, the United States, New Zealand, Australia, and the UK. And, um, and of course, many of these ventures have gone on to uh, do amazing things, average, you know, triple digit growth and create hundreds of jobs and just uh, create significant social impact. Um, so in terms of impact, certainly there's lots, uh, lots of impact that the ventures are having out in the world and, and showing different ways of doing business. Um, uh, but in addition to, you know, what the ventures are doing, I think, I think what CEO as a, as an organization, but also as a community, I think we're showing the world um, just different ways of, of doing things, different ways of funding ventures, different ways of doing business, different ways of being in community, um, different ways of being human. And a lot of that is, um, you know, we're, we're working to shift mindsets and paradigms, um, for example, from scarcity to abundance and from competition to collaboration, from these power over inequitable uh, systems to power with and working co-creatively. So those are some of the mindsets that are deeply embedded in the way we coexist as a community and that we build as a community. And it's all part of this broader theory of change of um, transforming ourselves in order to transform systems um, and creating the systems that we need that will work for, for everyone. Um, so hopefully that's the impact we're having, but <laughs> uh, that, is, that is the path that we're on and, and, um, and how Shio has evolved over time from being, you know, here is a new way of funding ventures to now, okay, what, what can we do collectively, you know, as a, as a community of thousands? What, what really is our power and our impact? I think we're still, we're still discovering that as we go. Um, but I, I'd be curious to hear too, you know, you said that Shio is your favorite community and I, I'd be curious to hear what stands out to you about, about the community, given your expertise in community building. Oh, so many things, Tanya. <laughs> um, I think for me, I, for the last 10 years, have travelled to the US a couple of times a year to find my tribe, to find the support, to find the education opportunities, the development opportunities, the community opportunities that I really felt I needed personally and professionally. And obviously COVID changed that um, in terms of being able to travel. And I've never really found that here in Australia. You know, unfortunately, we were well, one, we're a, a much smaller population. Um, I think there's been a lot of tall poppy syndrome whenever you're at the forefront of what you're doing you're breaking new ground it can be quite lonely so I've never actually found that community here in Australia part of it's probably been that I was looking to the US um, but you know you arrive in the US and you talk about what you're doing and people are like oh that's great I can introduce you to this person and I can you know how can I help you is kind of the the feel that I always had when I landed in the US and found my communities um, so CEO has actually provided that for me globally, but very much here in Australia because we have such a mm -hmm. beautiful CEO community here. 
Um, I've also, not to go too deep, but in the last couple of years, having left a very abusive marriage and, and having to restart my life with two young children, um, I've been a bit messy for the last couple of years. And CEO, although I do see it as a professional network, I've shown up in tears. I've shown, I haven't had to put my professional face on and being a particular kind of person or a particular type of person in order to fit in. I've literally just shown up and been me and have been, mm. going to get teary, but been so warmly and generously accepted because um, that radical generosity happens at a very human to human level it's not a financial you know it's not just a financial radical generosity it happens at a a really beautiful deep human connected level and so um you know I have made amazing connections professionally through CEO I, business opportunities have come through CEO but that's not why I show up I show mm -hmm. up because I love hearing about the amazing work that other women are doing and contributing to that wherever I can. And I could talk about this for hours as <laughs> to what CEO means for me, but there you go. There's your testimonial. Oh, oh, I love that. I just love that because you're, you're pointing to all the things that, yeah, I agree that makes this community such the magic um, and the secret sauce. Right. And it's, it's this, um, yeah, how, how can we how can we help? How can I help? Um, this this mentality and, and mindset of of giving and generosity and trust and knowing that we have everything we need in this community um, and knowing that you know we, you can you can offer your support and it will be received and you can ask for support and it will be given um, and that you can you can come as you are and show up and and this is a space where. Um, yeah, all of all of that stuff that people feel in in the world out there, the like, oh, I have to be a certain way, look a certain way, act a certain way. You can kind of let that go. That's certainly what we strive to create um, as collectively is a place where you can show up. I think one of the values that has really been demonstrated to me that um, has helped with that is you have this whole concept of on your own terms mm -hmm. and so there's no judgment or prerequisite about you have to do xyz in order to fit in here and I, I will be honest that took me a little while to figure out because I was looking for the pathway I wanted you to do it for me like how do I you know how do I engage here what do I do what's the framework what's the step one two three four five and because it's not um, there as hoops to jump through or hurdles to go over. It took me a little while, you know, a little while to figure my place. And it's literally on my terms. I get to show up when and how I want to and engage how and when I want to. And um, that works, that works really beautifully. And, you know, those that have got a huge amount of time and energy and opportunity to contribute and connect do that and you know it ebbs and flows for me based on what's going on in in my life but joining the welcome circle which I've been a little bit quiet on lately but joining the welcome circle has just been such a beautiful way to welcome other people in and connect with you know connect with people around what they're doing and look at how we can serve and support and so yeah there are so many things that CEO does beautifully and quick story I actually caught up with one of the ventures um 
one of the venture finalists here in Australia a couple of weeks ago and we were sitting opposite each other in a cafe and talking about what a small world it was. We have a, a mutual client that we both work with and I was saying, you know, Brisbane is such a small fish pond. Everybody knows everybody. I said, I'm from Sydney, so this is a bit foreign for me. And she said, oh, I'm from Sydney too. And I, she said, oh, where'd you grow up? I said, oh, on the North Shore. And she said, so did I. She said, where did you go to school? And I said, oh, I went to school at Queenwood, which a lot of people don't necessarily know about. She goes, so did I. Oh. <laughs> She's a little bit younger than me, but we went to the same school and we connected through CEO. So it's um, the, you know, the threads that weave through life, uh, just more and more people that I'm connecting with you know, a part of CEO already. So it's, it's, yeah, it's a wonderful community to be in. I could gush for hours. Oh, I love that. I love that. It's, it's, it's so true though, right? It's, it is, it all comes down to their relationships. And I know even in my experience, I've made some beautiful relationships through this community. When I, uh, when, when my wife and I moved from Toronto, Halifax, we hardly knew anybody here. Um, we didn't have friends or family already here. And so the first people I met were, local activators um, who have been so kind and generous with their hospitality and welcoming. And that's just the, that's just the vibe, right? Like that's the vibe that, that we, there, that it just exists in, in the community and in, in every space that you join and being part of the welcome circle is a big part of that. The fact that we even have a welcome circle um, is part of that is it's about um, ensuring that, yeah, when, when, when folks join the community that they are, fully welcomed in internally on the HQ team. We call it a love shower. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. <laughs> love everybody in. Um, and uh and and to yeah remind that that is part of it, the the reminder that um it's all on your own terms, right? Like you can join and contribute financially and if you've got lots going on and that's all um that's all you need to do, that's great. That's wonderful, you know, and if you've got energy and time and you want to uh, participate in different activities, great, that's wonderful. Um, so yeah, certainly there's no, no judgment there. And we recognize um, that people are at different stages in their lives and have different things going on. And so how, um, yeah, how can we just create a space that whenever you, whenever you're here, whenever you participate, you know, you're, you're, you're in the right place. Yeah, and you talk about CEO magic, which I think is lovely too, because it is the synchronicity and the opportunities, the connections. You know, you couldn't plan it if you tried, and yet every single time I show up for a CEO event or call and end up in a room with somebody who I may have met, may not have met, um, the, the synchronicity that seems to happen there, that it's always just the right person at, at the right time. And it's funny because when the person who suggested CEO to me first mentioned it, I have spent my life being quite allergic to women's networking, <laughs> women's networking groups. Um, I have often found them to be quite clicky and quite difficult to, you know, I think it's one of the other things of community builders. We're often not the, um, you know, we often don't have just one group of people that we hang out with. We tend to be connectors and move across multiple communities. And um, so I think I've, I've been quite allergic to a lot of those environments. And so my gut reaction was, oh, another woman's networking. <laughs> I have heard like, that before. Yeah, yeah. I was like, 
you know, I'm going to turn up and I'll go to a free call and see what happens. And um, I have to say, pre, at beginning of COVID, you know, we lost a lot of our corporate clients because they tapped out on community and, and wanted more of the paid digital marketing side of things, which is not what we specialize in. So financially, it was not an easy thing nor a sensible thing for me to do at the time. But I knew with every cell in my body that this was a community, this was my place, this is where I needed to be. And so that was the beginning of that journey. But it was, um, I, I, I hear that from everybody that's part of the CEO network. I've never heard anybody say that they don't feel connected into that community or, or supported by that community. I think one of the other things that CEO has done for me is being a white woman who is pretty privileged in many aspects and, you know, I've had plenty of trauma in my life as most of us have and plenty of life experience that hasn't been easy, but I didn't realise um, some of my prejudices and my beliefs and places where I, and this is still an ongoing day-to-day journey for me, so I certainly don't have this one wrapped up, but places where I'm not inclusive and where I'm racist or prejudiced or judgmental and that's been challenging, but it's been such a gift for me to really challenge some of those preconceived and it's probably what's next for me and CEO is delving more into some of those communities and those uh, groups that are really exploring some of those issues Mm -hmm. do you want to talk a little bit more about what that means in the context of community for CEO yeah it's it's everything right um it's really interesting to see how questions and um topics related to equity and inclusion just dovetail with community um, so well. <laughs> and uh, certainly at Shio, that's a journey that we're, we're on collectively. Um, we've, uh, there, there's been some, we, we, there's been working groups that have been formed around these issues. As you may know, uh, the Racial Justice Working Group, which has gone through a you know, nine month journey of, of connecting racial justice with the UN Sustainable Development Goals. Uh, we have the Rooted, uh, Rooted in Your Story Learning Circle Series, um, which is currently a nine-part uh, workshop series, essentially, um, to be become rooted in, in your story through Indigenous protocol. Um, and, and this is something that we're also starting to embed in our um, kind of our storytelling events. We're, we're starting to um, bring the voices of the community um, to tell their own story of their lived experiences. And we've had a, an event around anti-Asian racism, an event around um, uh, for, for the queer community during Pride, we called it the, the Pride Story Slam. And we just had one recently around ageism. And I'm sure there are, you know, there will be many more. And really these storytelling events are, are cr- giving space and platforms for folks within our own community tell their own stories in a in a space where um, they will be heard so it's yeah it's still it's still part of our our journey Um, I think it's it's still at its very early stages Um, but we have we're working to create more opportunities to have these conversations about equity inclusion about power and privilege about decolonization um, around justice, all of these things that are essential to transforming systems. This is ultimately the work. Um, 
you know, it's it's not just about funding ventures, right? Like the, the broader purpose of the work is to transform these systems that have oppressed many people um, and, and to, to create new models and new ways of doing things. And so if we're in order to do that, we have to, we have to be having conversations about equity um, and we have to be building inclusion and belonging and all of these um, elements into the way we design our, our experiences and our relationships with one another. So if you're thinking about um, ventures, organizations, businesses who are wanting to grow community, what would be some of your advice around how they think about inclusion and equity and how to make community open and inclusive? Yeah, I'd say, I mean, start with yourself, um, you know, start with you as an individual and, and everybody's at a different place in their journey. And so part of it is um, really taking a deep dive and reflecting on where you are on, on the journey. Um, have, have you really, have you asked the questions of yourself around where you have power and where you have privilege and where you don't? Um, and because we all do, we all have, have power and privilege in different ways and we, we all may, may not in different ways. Um, I think you know the conversations can be a little too surface level if we're just talking about racial diversity, for example. Um, but really, yeah, people, we're, we're th- uh, 7 billion completely unique individuals. And um, yeah, so, so really taking that deep dive and thinking about where, where you are, um, what learning you still need to do. Um, and, then, and then having these conversations out loud uh, with your community. I think that's where um, sometimes there's a bit of fear of saying the wrong thing or just not quite knowing how to facilitate that conversation. And, and that's part of the messiness of this work um, is, is uh, to have these conversations out loud, to have to be courageous and, and talk about um, what, what does belonging mean to us as a community? You know, what does, what does safety look like in our community? What happens when some, you know, when, when someone is hurt in our community um, and having these conversations out loud and co-creating those processes um, is part of, part of, I think, the work of building equity into our, into our community practices. Um, but, but definitely, you know, before, before having those conversations out loud, there is a certain level of, of individual um, learning and education first in order to, to, to have those conversations without creating a lot of harm too so it's a bit of it's a bit of a balance um, um, but regardless this is so critical uh, if you know in any community if 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 by community you're trying to create a place where people can feel like they belong um, then conversations about equity are are critical I think I was reflecting as you were saying that I think one of the things that used to historically stop me from having a lot of those conversations was the fear of doing damage. Um, you know, the fear of sounding judgmental and asking questions where I just didn't know. Um, but I have a daughter who was born without her left hand. And whilst it's a small thing, it's, you know, that's still a difference for her that she navigates. 
And it's been really interesting for me to see that, um, you know, I would much rather people talk to me about it and ask the questions and even, you know, stumble through whatever that conversation is um, than to have it be something that can't be talked about or doesn't people don't want to talk about because they're scared of offending or, you know, risking. So I think... We all need to be more courageous in being able to have those conversations. And I think a lot of it comes back to intent, that if your intent is good and you're seeking to understand rather than, you know, cause more harm, then it's yeah. it's the right place to be coming from. Yeah, absolutely. And so much of that harm is wrapped up in shame, right, and wrapped up in ways that um, our systems have made us feel shameful for who we are, for whatever particular aspects of our identities however they show up and so um, creating spaces and invitations um, that feel welcoming uh, address like they, they create space for that shame to, to, to for people to let go of that feeling or fear of oh no I, I can't share this piece of myself um, but but it's so beautiful when we do and so just creating that space to say, yes, it is, you know, you are beautiful as you are. And I want to see all of you is the joy of community when it's done well. Yeah. And I think it's one of the things that a lot of community managers have at varying levels, but innately that's part of who they are. And I had someone ask me recently about, you know, the skills of a community manager and how do you teach those and that sense of empathy and understanding and intuition is, you know, it's very hard to teach. Often people have it or, or they're on a journey to, <laughs> to trying to increase that. But it's, um, you know, critical for, for community, that empathy and understanding. So moving into some of the maybe more tactical conversations, um, how has CEO navigated this concept of public open community on, say, platforms like social media um, compared to more closed hosted communities that you have on your website? It's always a, a challenging path to navigate about where your community naturally show up and where they're going to participate. How do you have those conversations or what have been your considerations in your community setup? Oh, that's a really interesting question because we're certainly active in both domains. Um, we do have a fairly active social media presence and, and, it, and it is quite important for us for many reasons. Part of it is, um, you know, we, this, this idea of living out loud and amplifying and celebrating and supporting each other means um, sharing stories of what our activators are doing, what ventures are doing out into the world um, so that, you know, uh, they can garner more support and, um, and we can start to shift these broader systems. Um, because I, I'm sure you may have heard Vicky talk about, you know, the algorithms are against us. <laughs> so, um, so there is, you know, there, we do have an active social media presence and we encourage our community to, to, to share on social what they're up to. Um, and it is also a way to invite people in to, and to see what, what we're working on. Um, and we also have a fairly active um, and intentional uh, curation of a, of a private community, so to speak. Um, th that's showing up in different places. We have online, we have a Slack community that we're, we're building. Um, 
And, and we also have our, our regular events. So every week there are a series of calls in every region. Um, there's learning events, there's all, all sorts of you know, working groups collaborating. Um, and then of course there's in-person gatherings sometimes. And so there's a lot of um, pr private community that's, that's happening. And that's where, um, and that's also critical too, because part of feeling a sense of belonging um, is is being in a somewhat closed space where you, you there is a sense of intimacy and a sense of hey I know everybody here and I can be myself and feel safe. Um, so yeah, so I guess those that's kind of how we're thinking about those two different communities. They're they're both you know equally important, um, but but they do serve different purposes. I love what you do on social media and it literally started from the second I became an activator. I received a message on LinkedIn from Vicky Saunders, the founder of CEO, which you kind of go, wow, that's that's the founder. And she's saying hello to me. And, you know, within <laughs> moments of her doing that, I asked if I could interview her on my podcast and she said, yes. <laughs> so for me, that was oh, generosity in action. Yeah. And it's just such a beautiful example of how intentional CEO is though, and how you've got um, one of the other things I love about what you do is that you encourage activators to list that on their LinkedIn profile. And so you look at the CEO LinkedIn company page and you've got, you know, 25,000 employees <laughs> yes. LinkedIn company page because you encourage people to connect that way. And that concept of living out loud, I think you do. And it's one of the things, you know, when we're talking to businesses and organizations about this, there's a real education piece that needs to happen because people are often really willing to support um, but they just, you know, you're not top of mind in terms of, oh, yes, I must amplify that message and I must do that today. Um, you do a really good job of educating people about that so that they um, have, firstly, I guess, permission to do that, but they feel inspired mm -hmm. to do that as well. So, yeah, your yeah. social media, um, your <laughs> public-facing social media and how you engage people there, both the public and activators, is really powerful. I'll definitely send those kudos back to the storytelling team. That's what we what we call our, um, you know, what others may call their communications team. Um, so I think that's part of it too is language, right? We, you know, we call it the storytelling team, and uh, and we talk. Yeah, we talk about living out loud. It's part of this idea of we're stronger together, um, and uh, and our voice is louder together. Yeah, and the, there's a real culture in CEO of amplifying each other's messages and stories, which um, is beautiful. You know, that's what I say I've been doing for 12 years is helping people <laughs> amplify their stories and amplify their, you know, who it is that they are and how they're showing up in the world. And um, CEO is just such a beautiful demonstration of that. Well, we embed these in our in our everyday practices, right? And um, in our weekly regional community calls, we ask for highlights and celebrations. Um, and that's another way that we amplify each other's work. But we also do that on our team meetings every week. Um, in fact, today's team meeting almost went over time because we spent so much of it celebrating each other. <laughs> and, um, and similarly, Ask Gives is, is a similar practice that we embed across the board, right? So on, on our community calls, we have Ask Give sessions where uh, we create space for folks to 
be in a breakup room and ask for support on something they might be working on or to offer something. But we also have the, the tech version of that where we have the Ask Give platform. We also have a working group um, to, to support getting those ask and gives asked, uh, you know, we're supported. And again, like internally on the team, you know, we, in our team meetings, we have essentially an ask give circle, so to speak, we call it team resourcing, but it's the same concept. And so part of, um, part, part, part of the, the way that we, we do this is by embedding these really simple practices across everything. Um, and then ensuring that we talk about why we're, why we're doing it and, and the sort of the philosophy behind it and how it's linked back to our values, um, our core values. And it's one of the things that just shines through from CEO is that what you're doing on the outside, although I think all of us as activators feel like we're on the inside, but what you're doing outward facing, yeah, I know we are, (laughs) what you're doing outward facing absolutely is demonstrated at every level through the organisation. And you have a real transparency and authenticity around that. You know, you share very generously about internal figures and the impact that's being made and and there's nothing that's kind of behind closed doors or that, that as an activator, that's how it feels anyway, that there's nothing that doesn't get spoken about or that's our IP. You know, it's a very open and transparent ecosystem, which I think makes it really easy to to be a part of. And you consult and ask nonstop, nonstop, (laughs) (laughs) constantly. Every engagement, there's an opportunity for feedback. And, you know, that's taken on board in a really beautiful way and and implemented too because I think that's another mistake that often people make in community is they ask for feedback but don't necessarily act on it or don't necessarily then embed the results or the the outcome of that into the community. And, again, that's something you just do so beautifully. We, yes, absolutely. Yeah, feedback um, is critical to to our, our processes and we've, We've got some really good systems in place to to uh, really make use of the feedback we receive. So, like you said, after every engagement event, there's some feedback form or way that we're asking for feedback, and all of the submissions um, to those forms are automatically sent to our Slack uh, space. And so, and it's transparent. Everybody is in the feedback Slack channel, and <laughs> so um, we're able to immediately look at the feedback, react to the feedback, respond um, as needed. And, um, and then we're, we're, we're thinking through processes to really close that loop back to the community. And so we're now working on, you know, like a quarterly updates sort of call with the community to share, okay, what's the latest we've heard? What are we noticing? What are we working on? Um, because we're really, we're co-creating this together. Um, this, um, so you know, every, we don't think of CEO as a team of, of 15 or however many staff there may be, um, but we really think of ourselves as a, you know, team of, of thousands. Um, and the Australian summit that just happened is a really good example of that. Um, really the, the entire, you know, organization and, and coordination and execution of that event really was led by the local Australian activators, a team of uh, about 40 activators who worked together to put that event on. Um, and we see the role of HQ really as, as enablers, as creating the systems and platforms um, and tools uh, for the community to self-organize and, um, and, and 
get you know get to action and transform systems. So um, so you know creating uh, tools like the Teal Print, which um, is sort of like a community hub or wiki. Um, where we can share information about how we're working, where we can share data and share uh, resources um, and creating tools for collaboration, communities for collaboration are all part of a broader um, strategy uh, to create, to, to, to enable a self-organizing network. I am... Um... I recently had a conversation with someone. So I'm in another network, which I'm actually exiting from at the moment, but <laughs> it is quite a male-dominated network. And I was speaking with the founder of that um, network, let's call it that, and he was asking about what CEO was providing that they were not providing. <laughs> and that would have been a very long conversation. But I, you know, I used an, an example of what I love about showing up at CEO is this concept of ask, give and reciprocity and, and just feeling free to say, hey, this is the challenge I'm working on right now. Who's got something to contribute to that? And the next time I turned up to a call, they'd tried something new, which was called give take. <laughs> Sorry, I'm laughing only because it was just such an example of here's this really great concept that works in a system that is very integrated and authentic and genuine and it lives at every level, trying to put that into a very culturally different. And I was like, yeah, this is not my space. This is not where I'm. So the give take, I think it lasted one call and they dropped it because it wasn't very well received. But I had a little chuckle because it's something that you know I really love and value and found quite challenging again when I first um, joined CEO just you know that mm -hmm. concept of asking is not always something that comes naturally to women and certainly not something that I've done a lot of in my uh, career or even in my life so that's been a real gift too in terms of opening up the building my ask give my or oh, my give muscle was strong it was my ask muscle that needed <laughs> needed some work yes I mean it, I think you're speaking to the importance of really being true to your values right it really starts there um I can I can spit out a whole bunch of practices that we do but if you, you know without deep values work um that you know what happens is what you've what you've uh, shared as an example, it just doesn't quite fit. Um, and I think in, you know, at Shio, that is our theory of change at the core is our values, um, radical generosity, abundance, transformation, co-creation. We talk about these values on our team all the time. Our, our learning plans are designed around those values. So, you know, my, my learning plan for the year um, or, for, or for the past quarter was really about uh, transformation and specifically around um, expanding my understanding of love and healing my spiritual self. But that, that's just an example of um, you know, how we think of, of growth and development, right? It's not learn how to use this tool or build this particular skill set. It's about how do we embody our values and our day-to-day -day practices and knowing that when we do that, we create the relationships um, where, you know, we want to create and, and that then leads to the transformation we want to see in the world. Um, and we're starting to now think of our, our four values in a bit of a framework of 
love. <laughs> um, we don't we don't always say that word very much, but I think really that is the core of what it is we're doing is how do we lead with love, um, and uh, and how do we, uh, yeah, love love people in to the community, um, and when they're in the community, love them really hard. Like, what does that look like? Um, so, yeah, we're starting to even translate our and think about how we might translate our values into a set of metrics to to measure how we're doing um, in terms of community engagement we're still thinking through tangibly what that looks like um, but uh, yeah what does it look like to measure radical generosity in our community um, but that's that's when we're getting to okay what is it we're really trying to do here and what do we really believe in it's at the end of the day it's all about relationships and it's one of the things I think a lot of community managers wrangle with is that measuring, you know, in a business context, it's measuring the return on investment. But I always like to look at how do we measure the health of a community, which is what you're talking about. And, you know, if what we're creating is a place where people feel a sense of purpose and meaning and belonging, how do we measure that? So I love that you're having those conversations and can't wait to see how that um filters through and I'm sure you'll be sharing some of those insights through the community so I really look forward to seeing how how that evolves but I think you know what you've talked about is that deeply tying values to like it it's I've gushed about it enough but you live it at every level in CEO and what's interesting is a lot of communities manage to get those values of love acceptance generosity but don't always manage to get the tangible impact or outputs out the other side and I think what you've really nicely articulated is that when you get that right both of those things are really strong so you get those beautiful feelings of belonging and inclusion and some of those intangibles that are much harder to measure but you're also making significant impact financial impact you know working on the world's to-do list and you measure that really well as well mm-hmm. I feel like we could talk for days <laughs> I know. I'm really aware that it's night time in Canada <laughs> so as we start to wrap up I always like to ask what's your favorite community outside of CEO what's your favorite community and what makes that important to you why do you show up there Oh, um, you know, I, I was trying to think of an online community to share, but to be totally honest, I haven't really participated in that many online communities outside of CEO. I, I and I've been wondering why. Um, and, well, you and maybe, the best, you know, anything <laughs> else is. <laughs> I do lurk a lot, so I do lurk um, on a many many Slack spaces. I, uh, you know, some design thinking spaces, some social impact spaces. Um, I lurk a lot on, uh, I'm, a, I'm a Toronto Raptors fan, um, it's an NBA team, so I lurk a lot on Raptors Twitter and forums, um, and, and I do feel a slight, a bit of a sense of community there, um, but I'd say honestly, I'm, I'm, these days I'm quite, I'm focused on building um, local community in person where I am, um, especially since I've recently moved and am in a new place, and really thinking through what rootedness feels like what what it means to me and what local community means to me I'm really thinking deeply about what uh, breaking conventions around the meaning of friendship and family um, and 
rethinking my relationships um, to break all the boundaries of, of what we, you know, society decides is normal or acceptable. Um, and how do I just exist with people in the ways that feel good for, for all of us? So that's kind of what I'm working on these days is, is um, essentially creating my chosen community or chosen family here in Halifax. Um, and, and, and trying to be brave in the process. Uh, and by that, I mean, asking those questions out loud. Sometimes it's created some awkward conversations, but I'm trying my best to work through the awkwardness and just say, hey, what does it mean to you to be friends? <laughs> what does it mean to you, you know, to be family? <laughs> Imagine some of the <laughs> interesting question, Tanya. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but that's... Uh, I think that's when you get at the heart of things, right? And, and that's when you can create, that's where creativity happens. Um, so yeah, my next, my next step is practicing uh, expressing love um, in different ways. And all of that then informs, of course, my day-to-day my -day, you know, work as a community builder. Um, but uh, it's, it's, I think it's also just, it's life. This is this is the stuff of life, right? At the end of the day, it's um, it's it's people, it's relationships, it's community, um, and that's the most meaningful part of our lives. So it's worth worth putting our time and thought into. Absolutely, absolutely. Thank you so much, Tanya, for being here today. We um, will share all of the links for CEO in the show notes. And where's the best place for people to go if they want to find out more about? CEO because you'd be mad if you didn't want to join <laughs> <laughs> definitely check out our website uh, world, um, and follow us on all the platforms uh, Facebook Instagram Twitter uh, at CEO.world. wonderful thank you for being so generous with your time and your wisdom and experience today Tanya thanks so much for having me Thank you for joining us on the Social Lights podcast produced by Social Mediology. You can connect with us on Facebook at Social Lights Podcast and you can find today's show notes and more episodes at socialmediology.com.au forward slash social